Let me just read a few verses of scripture. Then I'd say a few remarks. And then we will have our act of remembrance. Remember the Bible teaches us in Romans 5 and verse 6, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And in John 15, we read, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Brethren and sisters, it's my joy and honor today to lead the act of remembrance here in our congregation on the anniversary of what is called Armistice Day. Together we want to reflect on those who made the supreme sacrifice during World War I and World War II. We thank God for those who laid down their lives so that we can enjoy free civil and religious liberty and many other precious freedoms beside. Today we want to especially thank God for the men from Carrie Duff that least we know of and we're thinking of some within the Lowe and the Patterson family. We want to also think of all who died during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, the three and a half thousand innocent victims. Did you know that 335 of them were members of the Loyal Orange Institution? During the Second World War, 1939 to 1945, over 200,000 members of the Royal Orange Institution made the supreme sacrifice for king and country. We think of the 57,440 that died alone in the Battle of the Somme. And today we want to remember them. I'm going to ask you, would you please stand? And um, our brother William Smith. William served in the Royal Navy from 1975 to 1981. He served in two ships, HMS Fearless and an assault ship and HMS Sheffield, a Type 242 destroyer. He was also in the Royal Navy Reserve in the Belfast Division in HMS Caroline. And Brother William is going to have the pleasure today of laying the wreath on our behalf. Now, Brother Mark has some music for us, and we're going to play together the last post, and then we'll stand for silence.
they shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, or the years condemn. In the morning, and at the going down of the sun, we will remember them. Let's repeat that line, we will remember them. We will remember them. you go home, tell them of us, and say, for your tomorrow, we gave our today. Let's just remain standing for prayer. Lord, we stand here again this morning, the anniversary of Armas's day, to remember and commemorate thee as the God of our fathers. Thou alone, and only thee alone, are our great deliverer in times that are past. We do acknowledge that thou art the living and the true God, and only thou art the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Thou alone art the giver and the taker of life. And we stand here this morning to thank thee for all who have died in the service of our country and its cause. We think of the brave men and women of our sea, land and air forces to whom It was given to lay down their lives for the cause of freedom and justice. Lord, do indeed help us to remember. Help us to remember today there's no true freedom without sacrifice. Help us to remember the need for constant and eternal vigilance. And help us, O God, in these times especially, to remember the necessity of trusting in Thee. We ask Thee today to remember in particular the members of the Royal Ulster Constabulary and the Ulster Defence Force. And Lord, we think of the spread of terrorism in Northern Ireland and its scourge. We think of the many who laid down their lives even unto death. 
And we commend them to thee. We think of their families today. We think of widows. We think of those who bear in their bodies the physical and the mental scars. And we commend them to thy grace and the help of the Lord. We thank you for the Royal British Legion. We thank you, Lord, for veterans of uh, all the conflict. And, Lord, we commend them to thee and their dear families. We thank you for those in the medical service who tended to them. And we pray, Lord, you'll bless them and reward them for their labor of love. Now, thank thee, Lord, for this act of remembrance. And as we have stand to remember today, help us, Lord, to think of those words that when you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow, we give our today. We thank you for that supreme sacrifice and do indeed accept our thanks, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now this is Remembrance Sunday. It's a special occasion, of course, when we remember those who have died in two world wars and subsequent conflicts since. And today again, we have thought already of the brave men and women of the United Kingdom armed forces who have paid the supreme sacrifice in laying down their lives that we might enjoy and experience political, civil, and religious freedoms. Remember at the end of World War I, called by some combatants, the Great War? Politicians said it was the war to end all wars. Now, of course, that was man speaking, speaking in puny wisdom, speaking out of their knowledge. It was only mere wishful thinking, a mere forlorn hope of natural pride, because it was only the words of men who didn't know the total depravity of human nature, they didn't know the capabilities of the human heart for sin. They didn't know uh, what men were, evil men were capable of doing apart from the grace of God. The Reverend George Whitfield called the human heart a monster of iniquity. For within 21 years, the whole world was plunged once more into a tremendous conflict. A conflict that was so fierce, so bloodthirsty so deadly that literally millions upon millions died in the years between 1939 and 1945. And even today, the brave men and women of the security forces have been called upon to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to maintain the rule of law against terrorism and tyranny and bring hope and safety to a very stricken, shaky society. And of course, in this province, you're well aware that there's an ongoing struggle against evildoers, against terrorists. There, there's devil-inspired individuals, sin-loving men and women who would seek to take from us our basic freedom and rob us of our Protestant way of life. And sometimes I wonder, do we in 2019 really appreciate just how good God has been to us as a country. Despite the present threat from dissident Republicans, a threat that is real and growing, a threat that we need to pray against. Yet despite this threat, the Lord has allowed us to enjoy the right to free assembly, the right to an open Bible, freedom of conscience when it comes to worship, freedom of speech, a free press from government interference. Freedom to live and work according to our conscience. You see, these are great freedoms. Great freedoms that in the past dictators and institutions have arisen to take 
away from us. Yet the Lord in his mercy for his glory has still allowed us the right to free assembly when it comes to worship. We also enjoy to a large degree political freedom in our demographic society where every citizen is called upon to uphold the rule of law. Remember, nobody is above the law. All men are equal under the law, from the prince on the throne to the pauper in the street. And folks, these are great blessings. These are real privileges. And I trust that we will never, ever take them for granted, that we'll not forget them, because these blessings and freedoms are to be remembered. They are to be cherished. You see, the word remember is used in the Bible 210 times. The first reference is in Genesis 8, and God remembered Noah. Isn't that lovely? God brought Noah to mind. Noah is in the thoughts of God. What a wonderful comfort. What a a blessed truth. And, And do you know what? If you're in Christ, you're also in the thoughts and minds of God this morning. I've also discovered from reading the Bible that there are an additional 53 references to the word remembrance in the Bible. That makes 263 in total. Now, now let's ask the question. If the Holy Spirit has put the word remember in the Bible 210 times and remembrance 53 times, we, we have a right to ask the question, why? And here's the answer. We're prone to forget. We're prone to leave off thinking about and pondering these things, especially the things of God, especially the things that has to do with the gospel and the personal work of Christ. Now in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 that I read to you, the apostle uses the word remembrance. He said, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Do you see the word remembrance? That's one of those 53. The Apostle Paul, is, or Peter, is writing his last message to the church. Here he is, and he's facing death. He knows that the end of his life is near. In fact, he's an old man. He's taken the last steps on his spiritual journey, standing on the threshold of eternity. And he shares with God's people a final message. To me, it's a kind of memorial sermon to the saints. And what does he say to these saints? He says, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both. That's his first epistle. And now in his second epistle, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Look at verse 2. Look at the book that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Listen to these words. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ have showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Did you see that? 
2 Peter chapter 1, it's mentioned in verse 12, it's mentioned in 13, it's mentioned in 15, and, 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 and he's bringing out this theme to stir up your mind by way of remembrance. Now, you see, the word remembrance is connected to stirring up your mind, to, to put you in remembrance of these things. What things? If you examine the context, things that you already know, things that you've been established in things to do with the present truth and he's saying even though you know these things I want you to stir up your minds and I want you to always have them in remembrance and I want you to constantly ponder these things I want us to think this morning of the true way of remembrance and I want to give you just three things I want you to think of the object of the way of remembrance I believe the object of the way of remembrance in this text is to stir up your pure minds. This second letter, beloved, I now write unto you in both, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Why? Now here's the answer. Every true born-again believer is very vulnerable as they live out the Christian life. See, Second Peter is a warning message. It's full of warnings for the saints of God. There's a warning here about what we are to believe, especially to do with the personal work of Christ, especially to do with the gospel. There's a warning here about living out the Christian life. There's a warning here about the last days. There's a warning here about false teachers and false teaching. Now, if you want to know that, look at chapter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. You see, he's not writing to people that don't know God and don't know the gospel. He's writing to a people who have been taught a lot about the things of God. He's not writing to people who are unaware of the spiritual danger they face. He's not writing to people who couldn't be caught out in the devil's stare. Because you're a Christian, because you're a true believer, who says you already know the truth, you, you know the gospel, you know something of the things of God, you've been established in the present truth, and yet here's the reality, you're still vulnerable. You're the person Peter has in mind. Think of this word, beware. If you're a postman and you're about to deliver a letter to a particular home and you come to a gate and you're going to open it and you see a sign, beware of the dog, well, well you don't know, need a, an explanation as to what that means. You, you, you realize, I am being warned here by the owner. I, I could go in down the path and I could end up being bit by the dog. See, see, Peter's saying here, although you have received the great truths of the gospel and you've been established in them and you know these things, I want that truth to become part and parcel of your life. I want you to know it, not just theoretically, not just in a theological sense, but I want you to know it intimately and experimentally. You see, in Peter's day, some saints had been making shipwreck of the Christian life. How? Well, they've been led away with the air of the wicked. They've become casualties in a spiritual battle. Some stumbled and fell and became prey to the enemy. Think of the words in verse 17. 
Beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Peter's advising them of the danger. He's aware that they're spiritually vulnerable. Aware that they're in danger of falling from their own steadfast. So he writes about this in both the letters. And he gives them instruction in both letters to stir up their minds. How? By way of remembrance. To think off, to meditate upon the great truths of the gospel. Now, I'm not an educationist. You would know that. But there is a modern approach to indication today that's false, that's bad. Let me give you an example. Think of a child in school learning history for eight weeks. But World War I, when it started, 1914, when it ended, 1918. Second World War, 1939 to 1945. And, and, and a list of things that happened during the war. And... Um, then you get a test in the class and you pass the test and then you move on from eight weeks of history to, to, to something else. We'll say it's chemistry or, 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 or biology. And, and you get the impression, the thought from the teaching establishment, well, now that's over and done with. That's behind me. I, I don't need to know that anymore. Well, you see, that's not real education. Real education has to do with repetition. In fact, the secret of education has, is 90% repetition. Learning a thing over and over again. So much so that your mind is gripped by it. So much so that it becomes a part of you. So, so much so that what you know begins to define and shape you. And you see, that must apply. That principle must apply to the gospel to the things of God, to the doctrine of Scripture and salvation. You see, if I asked you this morning, do you know about God? Do you know about Jesus Christ? Do you know about the doctrine of salvation? You might say, yes, I know. But do you really know? You see, I believe the truth is that we don't really know the truth as we think we know it. Peter's writing to saints. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Who know these things and are established in the present truth. And yet he wants to stir them up by way of remembrance. He's basically saying to them, I want you to learn to treasure the truth that you have received. So that what you know will help you, equip you to fully and faithfully serve the Lord. And what you know will help and equip you to stand against the bulwark of false teaching and false preachers. You see, when we think about our Bibles, there's a big emphasis on remembrance. Isn't there? Two and a half, 210 times the word remember. 53 times the word remembrance. And in Peter, there's four references. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 15, three references to the word remembrance. And here in his, his final chapter, before he takes the last steps of the journey. Why? Because he wants God's people to think biblically. How? By constantly thinking through the things of God. You see, I don't believe that the word remember is used in the Bible in a repetitious way. Coincidentally, I believe it's deliberate. I believe it's intentional. 
You see, we must learn to think through what we believe. And we must apply what we believe to our lives. What do we believe in the Free Presbyterian Church about God? What do we believe about the personal work of Jesus Christ? What do we believe about heaven and hell? And the Holy Spirit? You you see, I'm thinking today that our church pews, and maybe this applies to other churches outside the Free Presbyterian Church, but our church pews can be filled with people who profess to be Christians, who say they know God and know Christ and the gospel, who make a claim to be saved, but they haven't learned to think the things through biblically. And I believe strongly that's why so much false teaching has spread so quickly in Northern Ireland. That's why apostasy has got such a grip, because false doctrines abound, false teachers have a following. And I don't ask you to believe what I say because I say it as your minister. You must subject what I say to the word of God because the Bible says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. And we have to learn what we believe. We are a confessional church. I encourage you to get a copy and we're going to give you all copies of the Westminster Confession of Faith and we encourage you just to read through it. But I want you not only to know what we believe, but I want you to live out what you believe. And I want you to let impact upon your life the great truths that you believe and you apply those truths to every area and then you be loyal to that. You see, if I could put it this way, Peter's saying, I know you're saved, but I want to admonish you. Stir up your minds to remember the truth. Take the truth into your mind. Let it fill your heart and let it grip you and then put it into practice. And I want you to do this every day of the year. You see, the truth is we're so forgetful. We're so prone to neglect these things. We're we're so remiss. Paul says, or Peter says, so I am instructing you. I I require you, even if you say that you know them and you're established in these great truths, it is right, it is proper, it is suitable for me as long as I live to stir up your mind. As long as I live in the body to stir up your mind. That's what he says in 2 Peter 1, verse 13. That's the very purpose of his letter. To stir up and remind the saints. That's the object of the way of remembrance. Notice quickly here. The overflow of the way of remembrance. Notice the words in the text. Stir up your pure minds. Your pure minds. You see the word pure. Refers to holiness. Holiness of life. Holiness of thought. I don't believe that Peter's writing to saints who are spiritually cold, worldly-minded. He's not writing to people who are wayward or living in sin or guilty of loose living. It's true, such people who live like that need to be stirred up. They need to be restored to a life of fellowship with the Lord. But he's writing to saints, the people of God, with a pure mind. Can you see that? Stir up your pure minds. The picture is very graphic. 
the references to the light of heaven, to living in light of heavenly sunshine, pure light, not living in the shadows. Here's a people bearing the full brunt of persecution. They're bearing the full force of false teachers and false teaching in their day. And they're already in that environment, living in the light of God's presence, living out their lives in light of God's words. And the devil's attacking them. And one area that he's attacking is attacking their mind. And maybe you're here this morning, and have I asked the question, what is your mind filled with? Is it filled with worry because of circumstances and situation? Or are you upset about something that has come into your life or the life of your family? So, so you're so full of cares of this world? Maybe you, you, you feel you lack assurance and you're asking yourself, am I really a child of God? Maybe you're, you're thinking, well, well, how could I escape all this? Um, how do you escape the mental pictures, the, the images and thoughts that come into your mind of this present evil world? How do we cleanse our minds? How do we keep them pure? Well, listen to what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, which is a tremendous verse of Scripture. I would ask you to underline it. This is what the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think in these things. Think in these things. That's conscious, deliberate, daily thought. And remember the Psalm 119. The psalmist was thinking about the young people. And this is what he said. Psalm 119. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Here's the answer. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, what you believe, as you think upon it, and you begin to meditate on that truth, and you reflect on that truth, and then you begin to repeat that truth, then that truth begins to change you. That's what we're saying. You must begin to think through what you believe. And if your mind is under attack, and you feel kind of trapped in a kind of horrible hellish darkness at the present, well, here's the answer. Fill your mind with the pure words of God and meditate on those words every day because you'll never be able to outgrow the gospel. Do you know Christ? Do you know something about the great truths of the gospel? Do you? But surely there's, there's much more to learn. There's much more to know. You see, for every problem in the church, for every attack that the devil launches against our mind, there is an answer. And here's the answer. A fresh view of the great truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we know about God and human depravity and the personal work of Christ and faith and repentance a life of holiness, loving obedience, doctrine of eternal punishment, doctrine of heaven. The job of the preacher is not to be negligent, but to do the right thing, to, to be critical, and to be wise 
because his job is not an entertainer or, or a psychologist or, or, or someone into a new form of gimmickry. That, that preacher is not to depart from the word of God. Isn't this the problem today with the modern church? They've itching ears. They want something new and something different. We live in a day when the Bible's repudiated as a book of myths. When, when, when we're young people are taught that the world uh, derived from evolution, that, that there's no God, that there's no heaven, and there's no hell. Uh, remember, Peter says there, listen to these words. He, he's, he tells us here, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We, we didn't follow fables. We're not presenting myths to you. And you see, what you believe must be applied. It must impact in your life. And if I ask this morning, is Jesus Christ God? Is the Bible true? Is, is heaven and hell real places? Does God exist? Does the blood of Christ really atone for some sin? Is it really possible to be justified before God? Did Jesus Christ really rise from the dead? Of course, the Pope has said he didn't, but he did. Are we accepted by God and justifying grace alone in Christ alone? Can we be assured of the, the fact that we're born again? Well, the answer is stir up your pure minds in these things. God is sovereign controller. God is in absolute control over the whole world. His control and power reaches to every man and woman in every place throughout the whole of the planet, whether at work or at school or at home, even to the darkest parts of the earth. God is the one who calls and summons men to repent and believe the gospel. God in Christ is the only cleanser of people's sins because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. God is a carer. God is a comforter. And only the truth, the truth of God's word, can so impact and motivate your life to a life of holiness and purity before the Lord. You see, that's why we need to stir up our minds, our pure minds, by remembering the truth. Is, is your heart cold this morning? Are you in a state of worldliness? Why? Is it because we're not focusing on Christ? Because we're not thinking of him. How many believers have lost out in the place of prayer? How many believers, the Bible's a dry book. Why? Because they never open their Bible. They never read a chapter for themselves. They, 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 they have lost out because they, they, they don't contemplate Christ and his person and work. See, these believers had a pure mind. Their mind had been made clean by the word of God. And they were spending time with the book. Could I ask this morning as we seek to close, how are you using your time? If you turn back to our text very quickly there, look at 2 Peter chapter 3. It says in verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Is that not a reference to the holy scriptures? Mindful. Mindful of what? Mindful of the words that were spoken. How much time do you spend with your Bible every week? Do you spend one hour? Do you set aside one hour in the week to read the scriptures, to meditate upon it? 
and to pray over those scriptures and say, Lord, teach me. Lord, help me to grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ. How do you expect to grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ if we fail to give him time to, to meditate in his word? See, the devil, I believe, will put up a fight for that very hour. But this is required because remember you're vulnerable. And you need to be mindful of these things. There's a battle going on for your mind. And if your mind is full of worldly things, then those worldly things need to be taken away and replaced, and your mind needs to become full of the words of God. And you need to pray, Lord, protect my mind. Lord, help me. Lord, take my mind. Lord, give me the ability to to spend time in the book. That's the overflow of the way of remembrance. One, One final thing. The outcome of the way of remembrance. Why why did Peter write this way? Was it not that he wanted the believers to be strong and steadfast? Think of this warning. Beware lest you also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. He wanted them to be steadfast in the truth. He wanted them to be spiritually minded because of the truth. He wanted them to be strong. You see, Peter knows that shortly he's going to die. And he's been very diligent as a preacher. He's not been negligent. Uh, 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 Peter is going out of time. He he talks here about taking down his tent. He uses the word tabernacle. And he's going out of time into God's eternity to to a mansion. That's the true view of death. Changing a tent for a mansion. And, And Peter was thinking of that. In light of death. In light of eternity. There's only one thing matters. Am I ready to meet God in Christ? Have I been faithful to him? Have I labored to preach Christ, to to teach about the Savior? You see, every believer here this morning, in light of eternity, in light of the day of your death, then you must think through the truth of the gospel. As you profess it, as you claim to know it, you must live it out before men. Because we're not here forever. I'll not be here forever. The greatest numbers of years for me have already gone. But after I'm gone, Peter's saying, what remains? You must go on. You must be steadfast. You must be spiritually minded. You must be strong for Christ. And if you don't, then I've failed. I've labored in vain. If you bring a different doctrine and if you take a different standard, if you have a different standard, Doesn't this apply to the preacher? Doesn't it also apply to parents, Sunday school teachers, and to youth workers? Here's the true way of remembrance. I commend it to you this morning. I want you to think of this objective. I want you to think of this overflow. And I want you to think of this outcome. How spiritually minded am I? How steadfast am I? How am I standing? And what am I standing on? May the Lord take these few trysts this morning and apply them to your heart.